On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks wrap up the regular season with a loss in Boston, and I would say appropriately, fittingly, etc. The Hawks are 41 and 41 at the end of 82 games. We'll get into all what transpired in this game and a brief look ahead to Miami on Tuesday. All of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1448 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday afternoon. And today's podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. If you're a first time user with PrizePix, get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com, promo code locked on. And also, at the top of the podcast, I should encourage you to make this your first listen here at Lawton Hawks. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts Apple, Spotify, also on YouTube. And really do appreciate you listening to today's show. As we always do, we'll break down the game today a little bit probably in shorter fashion than usual because uh, not to sort of be around the bush too much, this is a game that did not mean anything for either side in terms of the actual standings. Now, there was plenty of evaluation to be done for the Hawks with regard to young players and how things might have been going. Quinn Snyder was coaching hard in this game, and the Hawks honestly did play hard in this one. But in the end, it was a 120-114 to 114 loss at the hands of the Boston Celtics on the road, and the Hawks lose their last two games and end at 41-41 and 41 after all the jokes all of the, honestly, just accuracy of how average this Hawks team was. They finished slightly above water and point differential for the season, but 41-41 and 41 is quite appropriate for the season. Atlanta was basically around that number for months and months and months. And uh, despite not having a ton of injuries along the way, the Hawks definitely underperformed this season. And certainly they could have pushed harder in today's game. But, you know, they lost to a pretty bad opponent on Friday night to have that first sort of uh, sort of domino to get to 41 and 41 at the end of the season. So that's sort of the top line thought of this one. And uh, we usually I've been, I've been giving you a lot of takeaways on the team's performance early in the podcast. I'm going to go a little bit old school today for the end on today's show. We'll kind of just dive into actually what transpired, because I think, in fact, I know that a lot of Hawks fans did not partake in this game live. Number one, it's Easter Sunday. So happy Easter if you uh, celebrate that. Also, it was a uh, it's Master Sunday. It's a game that everyone knew was not going to be terribly interesting with regard to casual observers because the game didn't matter. So uh, a lot of folks either had family stuff or whatever and missed this one. So I'll give you the high points of the game. We're going to get into some player, player evaluations later on, takeaways. And at the very end of the podcast, we'll dive into a little bit of what's to come on Tuesday. I will have another podcast, by the way, after this. In between this podcast and the game on Tuesday in Miami, I will have a more preview-focused episode or big picture on that one. So stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to the podcast. But we'll get into this game now. Uh, if you missed anything before the game, both teams were basically shorthanded in this one. Now, the Hawks, after pushing and playing mostly everybody on Friday, they ended up playing DeAndre Hunter in this game, but sitting Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, Hunter, I think the exp- explanation was from Quinn Snyder that they wanted to have him get more reps in terms of playing after he missed four games at the end of the season. That makes a little bit of sense. They did have uh, at halftime, they pulled both Hunter and Sadiq Bay out of the action. And then by the third quarter, Congo was done as well. So they were not pushing guys too, too hard. And Boston sat basically everybody as well. No Tatum, no Brown, no Horford, uh, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, et cetera. In this game, they did play a couple of their key guys. Derek White played a little bit in the first quarter. Then he sat Grant Williams. Same thing. Um, they played um, Peyton Pritchard 46 minutes, which is kind of insane. Actually, um, Sam Hauser is a part, of the, a part of their regular rotation. He ended up playing, too. But it was largely a battle of second and third units 
in this one. And our friends at FanDuel actually made the Hawks four and a half point underdogs in this game. They almost, almost, almost covered it at the end. And if you got it early, the Hawks were like seven point underdogs uh, as of last night into this morning. So um, some interesting line variation at the end of the game. Um, Snyder did say pregame. Again, they want to get Hunter some live reps. Uh, they ended up starting AJ, AJ Griffin, Hunter, Sadiq Bey, Akangwu, and then Aaron Holiday at the point. Hunter had the first four points. Actually, they actually played the first eight minutes or so. Had a nice step through to get to free throw line earlier in the first quarter. Boston, though, really the story of the game, like on the court, was Boston just launching three-pointers. I'll just tell you now, Boston took 54 threes and made 25 of them. The NBA record is 29. So they basically had, I would say, a top 10 all-time three-point shooting performance in a regular season game. Obviously, this is not the best competition level. Boston was launching, and they had guys making them early, often, and all the way through. Uh, rotationally, no big surprises. The Hawks had kind of like a top nine that followed into a top 10, and then kind of their bottom two guys. who They only had 12 guys active in this one. Tyrese Martin and Donovan Williams played by far the least, um, especially Williams doing it in until like the last three minutes of the game on a two-way contract. But um, in the first half, it was nine guys. It was the starters in this game, plus Jalen Johnson, as you would expect. Trent Forrest is the backup point guard. Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando as the backup center to Okongwu. Bruno had a very good game in this one. And I kind of expected this nine to play a bunch in this one. It ended up being Vic Krejci as the 10th in the uh, second half. The Hawks were up by two in the first quarter after, after being down by seven or so in the middle of the quarter. Boston did make eight threes in the first quarter, but kind of just couldn't do anything else. The Hawks won the turnover battle a lot. And uh, because this game was also on ESPN, in addition to Bally, we actually got an in-game interview with Quinn Snyder, who mentioned after the first quarter that the Hawks were allowing too many three-point attempts to Boston. And I had this argument with some people on Twitter. Um, yes, Boston was pretty unconscious in this game. But also, I will tell you, that Snyder even said it, which is that's that's indication number one. But number two, even if you're giving up some tough look, some tough looks, what you don't want to do, what the Hawks do not want to do, is allow a ton of three pointers. Yes, they're not always the most high percentage shots, but for a team like Boston in particular to take 54 threes, that's bad defense. In addition to aggressive three point shooting, um, there is stuff you can control, and the biggest thing is attempts. Teams are going to make make the shots that they, that they make. And I think, generally speaking, people attribute too much defensive impact to whether shots go in or not from three-point range. But what you can do is, pre is prevent opponents from taking threes, and the Hawks did a very bad job of that in this game, as Snyder said early, and then after the game as well. Uh, in the second quarter, Bruno Fernando was really kind of making an impact. His touches improved a lot as he was drafted by the Hawks uh, back in his rookie season, etc. He made his first four shots, a couple three-point plays. He was flying around with good energy, and I said this during the game as well. I think Bruno's performance was probably the most interesting and most encouraging thing of the Hawks the entire afternoon. Is that a huge deal for this season? No. And Bruno is obviously the third center on a bargain basement contract, but he played well in this game. He was very helpful and uh, lots of good signs for him as the Hawks might be uh, leaning more into him as soon as next season. They got a beat crazy appearance. Um, there was a very funny sequence in the middle of the second quarter that actually ended up with J.D. Davison taking a terrible shot for Boston on a fast break when he could have easily dropped it off for a pretty easy dunk. And the Hawks had to run out for a dunk, big summer league vibes in that stretch. But I will say both now and probably again later, the Hawks played hard in this game. Did they play perfectly well? No. Were they undermanned? Yes. But they did play hard. And honestly, they coached hard. Snyder had a couple of frustration timeouts. He was clearly grinding on the sidelines. They were not taking this game terribly lightly. Obviously they did in terms of who, of who played and who didn't, but 
this is an evaluation period for Atlanta. They are trying to figure out stuff for this season and next season and beyond. It's not just got sort of the hands-on approach. So they were trying in this game all the way through. The Hawks had a nice run at the end of the first half, a 12-2 push for Atlanta to go up by three by the end of the first half. They had a great first half offensively, a 125 offensive rating, 15 assists, five turnovers, uh, 114 in the first. Uh, they did allow 30 three-point attempts in the first half. That's as many as the Hawks actually average on offense per game this season, and that happened in a half. But the Hawks did win the turnover battle, which was big for them. Um, as I said before, coming out of halftime, they pulled Hunter and Bay. That made a lot of sense to me. I think, honestly, Kong would play more than I would have played him in this one. They ended up starting Jalen Johnson and Garrison Matthews after halftime. Boston pulled Derek White out pretty early. Uh, Sam Hauser was unconscious for Boston. I said it before, but he's actually a rotation piece for them, generally speaking. But he had eight threes in this game, including three of them in a row in the third quarter. And uh, this is pretty crazy. So the first two times he played the Hawks this year, Sam Hauser was eight, sorry, nine of 11 from three. And then he was 8 of 14 in this game. So Sam Hauser against the Hawks this year finished 17 of 25 from three against Atlanta. 68% on huge volume. So uh, he's a monster shooter, obviously. Technical foul was called on Garrison Matthews in the third quarter after not getting a call on a, a pretty clear moving screen. He's pretty upset about that. Uh, I think my friend Kevin Chenard tweeted out the replay. Very obviously the wrong call, and he was pretty upset about that. Um, they were down by as many as 10 in the third. Quinn actually won a challenge on a very bad blocking call. Some pretty bad officiating in this game, honestly. Uh, won that challenge. Old pal Mike Muscala, who used to be on the Hawks for a long time, and I've always kind of said in the last 10 years plus is the best second-round pick the Hawks have made. It's funny and kind of sad as that is. Muscala's been playing in the league for a long time, but he made, I think, four shots in a row in the third quarter. The Hawks made some threes. Holiday and Jalen Johnson at threes. Jalen had a nice dunk as well. They brought in Tyree Smart at the end of the, end of the third quarter. Uh, Bruno had a nice catch in traffic for a finish. Um, but the Hawks basically never take 13 threes in a quarter. They took 13 in the third, made five of them. That's pretty good. And still lost the three-point line because Boston made eight again in the third. Fourth quarter, not too much to say. Honestly, it was pretty ugly basketball. That was the one time in the game it was kind of hard to watch. It was 24-20 to 20 in favor of Atlanta in the fourth. They were down by 14 at one point. Boston did finally cool off when they were playing their deep bench guys a little bit more, more of Davidson, more of Kevin Gele and Champagne and, and, and Champagne, et cetera. But uh, the Hawks were one of 11 from three in the fourth to kind of close the door on any comeback bid in this game. And then uh, they kind of finished it off with a six point loss at the end, despite a late bucket that would have backed the recovery for some people along the way. So we'll kind of get into the numbers and some of the takeaways from this game and the individual player breakdowns. That's kind of what transpired. If you missed it again, a pretty watchable game for about three and a half quarters, not the best played game, but the Hawks did play hard. Boston was launching three. So it was not, it was kind of summer league like and that teams were trying, but not at the same sort of level of talent um, in some respects, also better talent in some corners and the Hawks were competitive. They played fine. This was not an embarrassing performance at all from Atlanta's second and third unit, but that was the end of that, and it was by six points on the road in Boston. All right, so we'll get into our one break on today's podcast. When we come back, we'll talk about the individual player breakdowns, some takeaways, and more. All of that on the way in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're into DFS like I am, make sure you check out the award winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as much as I do. It is so very easy to use. I've been playing at Prize Picks for quite a while now. It's really a breeze to operate and enjoy yourself within their structure. All you have to do is pick two to six players to actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists or other stats that you can get to on the NBA side, college basketball side, et cetera. And at Prize Picks, what up 25 times your money on your entry? They have for sports across the board beyond basketball. They have the NFL and college football. 
MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and it's that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals of prize picks, and, you, and they're also operating in more than 30 states. That includes Georgia, plus they're in Canada at this point. Download the PrizePix app right now. Go to prizepix.com to sign up and play Daily Fantasy Sports. And if you're a first-time user, get 100% as a deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On at sign up for your deposit match up to $100. Check it all out now at PrizePix. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, and it's the coolest game I've played in a long time. Like a lot of people, I grew up thinking about making moves around the NBA as, as far as being in charge of a franchise. As it turns out, it's not all that easy to actually do that. If you have the same thought and actually picture yourself managing your own basketball franchise, go and download the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. You're responsible for hiring the coaches and trading players and dealing with personalities within your franchise, making draft picks, and generally navigating things around your organization and all the fun challenges of a season. This all happens in a, in a completely realistic game world, and Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and it's also playable offline you can play on the go wherever you want and as much as you want to and we're already having a lot of fun behind the scenes competing together in the lots on podcast network group chat and uh really trash, sort of trash talking and all that fun stuff it's really been a lot of fun to dive into it's also way to connect with friends who are also not basketball fans and if you're listening to this podcast as you definitely are at lots on hawks get a hundred percent free boost to the franchise that you have when using the promo code locked on in the game store to you. Tell them the game. Visit probasketballgm.com or scan the code or look it up in the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. When you get there, use the promo code locked on. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, we'll go to the offense first in this one. And I will remind everyone also that the Hawks did not really have a single shot creator, like perimeter creator available in this game. That definitely hurt them on offense. Uh, it was, you know, Trent Holiday, sorry, Trent Holiday, Trent Forrest and Aaron Holiday are point guard sized players who can guard point guards, but they're not offensive initiators. Jalen Johnson has the best ball skills of anybody that was available for the Hawks in this game. He's not quite there as a legitimate like primary guy on offense, despite the point forward stuff being fun. In a half-court setting, he's not really quite re- ready to do that. So the Hawks did score pretty well when you adjust for that. The Hawks didn't shoot well from three-point range in this game, but they, they did take care of the ball at a high level. They had nine turnovers in the whole game. That's very, very strong. They won off to glass as well. So they've kind of won on the margins, despite not shooting very well. We're 5% from the floor and 11 of 39 from three. Uh, it's tough to win when your opponent shoots that much better than you do for three-point range, plus just the volume. You know, if the Hawks had taken 15 more threes in this game and made 14 of those 15 threes, they would have matched Boston. So that kind of just the math swung violently toward the Celtics in this game, as you might imagine, even though the Hawks took more threes than usual. 39 attempts is pretty good for the Hawks. They just gave up too many of them on the other end of the floor. Um, defensively, they had a 123 Defensive rating, that's going to get you beat, obviously, more often than not. And again, the big thing, three-point shooting. Boston taking 54 three-pointers and making 46% of them. It's hard to beat anybody when the, t- when the, when the opponent does that. Um, the, you know, Against twos, they were pretty pretty much fine. They didn't foul very much. Boston did have 33, 33 assists, but the Hawks won the turnover battle and the rebounding battle in this game. Free throws were pretty, pretty neutral. So the Hawks did win on the margins. They just lost so badly in the shooting metrics that didn't particularly matter. And Peyton Pritchard had a triple-double with 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists. Muscala had 27, Sam Hauser had 26, and uh, lots of three-point shooting from those guys in this spot. As for the Hawks, the individual player stuff will go quickly, I would say, relatively speaking here. Um, the guys at the end of the bench didn't play a ton or play all that well. Donovan Williams had three, three, sorry, three minutes, four points. B. Krejci had three assists, four rebounds, and a steal, but was 0-1 from the floor in 20 minutes. Veet was a little bit, um, I would say, invisible on offense. That's kind of his challenge right now is that he's uh, he's a pretty skilled guy, good passer, good feel, just doesn't have much to offer as a shot creator and also as a finisher. 
at this moment in time. He's pretty long and active enough defensively. He's even though he's not great there. Uh, Trent Forrest was zero points, but it did have five assists, 0-4 from the floor, two rebounds and a, and a steal. You love Trent Forrest until he has to shoot, and that's that's the problem there. I've always kind of liked Trent. I think defensively and as a passer, and as someone who just knows how to play, he is very helpful, just cannot really shoot for you, which is a problem. Uh, Tyrese Martin, I think, did not play very well in his 16 minutes. Six, six shots, four points, six rebounds, uh, just kind of a blah performance from him and uh, kind of a lost season in some respects for him, even though he's in the G League most of the time as, as a rookie. Uh, Jalen Johnson, 15 points in 19 minutes, had three block shots, three assists, three rebounds. Some great flashes from Jalen in this game. He wasn't perfect, but certainly played pretty well off the bench, and uh, I would like to see even more of him probably, if anything else, in this one. Garrison Matthews had 19 points in 26 minutes, 4 of 11 from 3. Uh, defensively, he had some issues for sure, and that's going to always be what holds Garrison back. But offensively, he is one of their better shooters on the roster and also is uh, willing and able, and I think encouragingly so, to launch threes. 11 three-point attempts in 26 minutes is really what the Hawks need from him when he plays, so he did that effectively enough. Uh, Bruno Fernando, I thought, was the bright spot for Atlanta. 19 points, 10 rebounds, had a block, 22 minutes, able to from, from the field, actually took two threes and missed them both. But I thought Bruno... Um, looked confident. He played assertively. He looked athletic. He rebounded the ball very well. He was making um, the plays with the ball in his hands. Bruno, as, as I know my friend Glenn Willis has always said, Bruno is very good with his ball skills. There's some DHO stuff in there for Bruno. It's that he was not always good at the, at the traditional center stuff in his first stint with Atlanta. And look, don't get too excited. It doesn't mean like he's suddenly going to be pushing for playing time on a team that has Capella and a Kongwu. But I think Bruno Fernando is a very good third center on a roster at bare minimum. I think for a lot of teams, he'd be a capable backup. Hawks obviously have two very good centers already, but Bruno, I think on a good contract and uh, everybody loves him, but he certainly played well. I thought he was a really good, uh, really good uh, takeaway from this game is that he played extremely well. And that's uh, something to build on for the future to the starters. Pretty quiet for a lot of guys. Aaron Holland played 31 minutes, seven points, six assists, um, three of 12 from the floor, one of five from three. Aaron had the Trent Forrest problem, but even more so. He was uh, aggressive to his credit in trying to get some shots off, but he was probably over-aggressive at times. Uh, did pass the ball fairly well, but it's not a creator at all, and that was kind of uh, shown in this game. His best role is when he can just kind of go out there, play defense, and then shoot spot-up threes. In this game, he kind of had to play point guard. Not his, not his best. Uh, Sadiq Bey, 15 minutes, 9 points, 3 steals, 3 assists, played well, was was aggressive, didn't play a ton, obviously, um, sat the whole second half, but I thought he was a, was a solid performer when he was out there. Hunter, uh, 14 points. And three rebounds in 17 minutes. He was assertive, looked like he was always pretty healthy. Uh, that's good to see. Uh, Griffin, I, I thought, pretty much struggled in this one, actually. 13 points. Did have two steals on 13 shot attempts, but had some issues getting by guys. Like, Boston's perimeter defenders were not locked in and not strong in this game, and AJ could not really get separation, which is a little bit concerning, I would say. But going back to what I said before about the lack of initiators, AJ kind of had the ball late clock a few times. It kind of had some limitations there. So I don't think he played well. But uh, no reason for huge concern about AJ Griffin. And then lastly, Kongwu, 10 points, nine rebounds in 26 minutes. He looked fine, played fine, and we'll leave it there for now. So that's it for this. Obviously, the Hawks didn't have the most challenging game here in terms of like what was important and what was, uh, you know, no, no actual implications on, on the wins and losses and the standings and all that stuff. They, they did play hard, had some nice signs, Bruno in particular, uh, Jalen Johnson played well, et cetera. So we'll leave it there for now. Quickly, though, before we get out of here, I will have one more podcast between now and Tuesday. But just as a reminder, if you made it this far, the Hawks play on the road on Tuesday in a playing game. It is not a do or die. The Hawks can lose and still make the playoffs. But if they win, they are in the playoffs as the seven seed. And ironically, if they were to win on Tuesday, they will play the Celtics where they just were on Sunday. They go back there for the weekend. So 
If that happens, if you're the Hawks, it's obviously what you want to have happen. You want to win Tuesday and lock, lock into a playoff spot. You'll be the seventh seed. You go, you go to Boston for a game either Saturday or Sunday at TD Garden. If you lose that game on Tuesday, the Hawks will have to play at home on Friday against the winner of Raptors-Bulls, and that becomes a do-or-die game if you get there. So we'll get into that later on if we need to. Um, just for the record, the Hawks at this very moment, according to our friends at FanDuel, are five-and-a-half-point underdogs in the game against the Heat. Miami played a lot of their guys today, no Butler, but uh, they at least put some more effort into the game than the Hawks did, um, but we'll see. Obviously, we'll get into all this later on as well, but the Heat have kind of owned the Hawks the last two years, last year in the playoff series. Most famously, they have Jimmy Butler, they have Ben Bio. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Hawks, but it is very winnable. Five and a half one dogs, that's obviously something. The Hawks are not going to be picked by many people to win that game, but it's very winnable. If the Hawks were to play well, Miami is not a special team this year. Last year's Miami team, number one seed, they played very well. They're obviously very well coached, and Jimmy's very good, as is Bam. But their supporting cast, other than maybe Hero is their third guy, is pretty average. They don't have a ton of depth that's like going to really scare you too much. Defensively, they are really good. That's worth noting. But offensively, they're very, very, very pedestrian this year. So if us were, were to get a hop game from Trey, from Trey Young, that would level the playing field. Obviously, Trey struggled a lot against Miami in recent days. But I won't give you the full preview now. But just, famous, uh, just suffice to say, the Hawks do play. On Tuesday, it's a big one, national TV, playing applications, and we'll get into that game both before and after it coming up on the podcast. That's it for me today. Anyway, on this Sunday afternoon, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. It is going to be huge for you to do that if you want to support the podcast. By the way, we do not stop the show when the Hawks season ends. So if the Hawks were to lose, let's just say, the next couple of games and are out of the mix, we'll have draft coverage, we'll have free agency coverage, we'll have trade stuff. Um, player reviews, all that fun stuff is going to be on the podcast in the coming days. So please subscribe, download the podcast across podcast platforms, Apple and Spotify and Google Play, as well as YouTube on the video side. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter also at BT Roland. Follow our written content on the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do appreciate everyone listening to the show. Happy Easter. Enjoy the rest of today and tomorrow. And then we'll be back one more time between now and Tuesday. So stay tuned. We'll see you all next time.